welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by not Mike McDaniel. Still on paternity leave, a couple more weeks, but Ricky Blue with us. Ricky, how you doing, man? I'm swell, sir. Um, I think I'm doing better than Jim Phillips is right now. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, interesting <laughs> press conference at uh, – at ACC Media Day, where Phillips really put on a display of how to say a whole lot of essentially corporate jargon without really saying anything. We'll dive right into it. But first, got to thank the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy, Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. He is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. So, Rick, Phillips talked. Nothing was said. And I think I might have left the press conference a little more worried than I was before when it comes to the future of the ACC. What were your thoughts? I don't know if I was more worried per se, but I think it definitely um, just kind of confirmed the concerns that everyone has. And you know, unfortunately, we're in a position uh, where the ACC is at least the future of the conference as a power five, a current power five level conference is up for debate. And uh, the chances of the ACC being able to thrive 10 years from now, 15 years from now, um, and certainly 20 years from now is, is in question. There's there's no certainty regarding the status of the ACC as a preeminent football conference. And I don't remember who brought it up to me, uh, but somebody mentioned that it kind of gives them vibes of the of the Big East, you know, back in the uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, when the conference was starting to split up, uh, Virginia Tech obviously leaves in 2004, uh, along with Miami, and that effectively killed the Big East as a football conference. And they did not last very long after that, as we know. Um, and they are what they are now, which is a basketball conference. Um, the ACC could end up in that realm if if the ACC is not careful, because uh, there are certainly going behind the eight ball on this. And I, I think we were hoping that Jim Phillips would take an aggressive stance publicly on the ACC, uh, trying to validate themselves as one of the big conferences and validate themselves as a conference that's going to be able to compete long-term, especially in the financial realm. Uh, but for those that listened, we didn't really get that now, did we? No, we didn't. And Ricky, you kind of, you know, you penned an article for Dulles District really right on this topic. And, you know, the, the title of it was a question for the ACC commissioner. What's the plan, Jim? I like that and kind of noted a lot of what you said, but you pointed to the grant of rights as what seems to be the stronghold for Commissioner Phillips' plan. I think you put it well in, in your article, Ricky. A document is only as good as those willing to defend it in court. So is this document worth anything, or do you not envision that as much of a roadblock to say if Florida State, if 
Miami, Clemson wanted to jump ship. Would it stop? Well, I think the grant of rights in in reality, not in legality, because unfortunately those are two different things. Uh, in in reality, the grant of rights probably only holds up if um, most of those big names stay with the ACC. So imagine a scenario in which Florida State decides, all right, we're we're packing up. We're going to go have our headquarters in Atlanta. We're going to be in the SEC. Um, we're going to get to play Florida every year, yada, yada, yada. Um, the ACC would be able to enforce their grant of rights if they wanted to break that um, and be able to exercise those penalties, which is going to end up in the in the millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, probably tens of millions of dollars uh, in that realm. Uh, the ACC would be able to enforce that. If you end up in a situation where Florida State, Miami, uh, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, um, Clemson, if all of those schools end up deciding to leave at once, I'm not sure that the, that the ACC's grant of rights is really going to be able to hold up in court. There, there are already folks that are talking about challenging it legally. Um, the, uh, the, the, the standing of the conference being in, in jeopardy uh, to some extent, you know, calls the deal into question entirely. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to be able to give folks uh, my le- my official legal opinion because I don't have one. But I'm I'm just saying that we live in a world where you can sue anybody for anything, right? I mean, I could sue Mike McDaniel for not doing his due diligence on the podcast, but we all know that that's BS, right? Because Mike's a dad, and that comes first. Like you, can, that would be a controversial lawsuit. Yes, yes suing it would. a non-contractually obligated podcast buddy for taking care of his kid. <laughs> exactly, that's my point. Like, there's all there's you can sue anybody for anything, and like my lawsuit would be laughed at. Um, a lawsuit that could potentially uh, net an eight uh, a a law firm tens of millions of dollars because they win this case. That's going to court, and the ACC doesn't want that to go to court because anytime you go to court, there's a chance you lose. The ACC could lose. I, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say that the ACC is fine because the grant of rights guarantees that the conference exists until 2036. And let's be honest, even if that does guarantee that the ACC is going to exist in in its entirety until 2036. Um, who cares? In 2036, most tech fans are still going to be alive by then. You know, like, do, does Andrew Alex want to experience a Virginia Tech football program in 2037 that's playing in whatever is left of the American Athletic Conference? Uh, that would not be ideal, my friend. That would not be <laughs> ideal. Um, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. It's worrisome in the long term, but also when you look at the short term for Virginia Tech, a program that's you know trying to claw their way back to national relevance, it's certainly not going to help, right? Because you're Brent Prime and you're trying to make this case, and 
say you're in a recruiting battle, a common one, it seems these days, with a school like South Carolina. And Shane Beamer and those guys to say, look, we don't even know if the ACC is going to be stable by your junior year. Yeah. This is SEC football. There'll always be national attention. There'll always be relevance. Come play for us. I don't think there is a genuine rebuttal to that. Not right now. My rebuttal would be that... Um, South Carolina sucks compared to the rest of the SEC. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say I don't really want a coach that is trying to uh, cater to me by lip-syncing Soldier Boy and, and dancing um, for for social media, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> gave me gave me real Brian Kelly vibes with that one. Uh, but no, I mean, this is going to be a problem for Virginia Tech for the foreseeable future. Uh, expansion is going to continue to happen. Kevin Warren came out today and said that the Big Ten will consider expansion if it adds value to the conference. Well, you know, no bleep, right? Like, <laughs> that's not breaking news. We all, we all know that that's going to be the Big Ten stance for the next 10 years and for years to come after that. And it's the same stance in the SEC. They're going to be willing to add members at any point if they add value to the conference. Um, the, the Big Ten is going to gobble up part of the ACC most likely. The SEC is going to gobble up part of the ACC most likely. Um, where Virginia Tech ends up in that shuffle is critical to the future of the program. Um, what, like, there's no way of, of predicting or telling how Virginia Tech's, you know, life would have, would have gone if they had missed the boat on the ACC expansion back in 2004. You know, there's folks that say they would have made the SEC expansion back in what, 2010, uh, when like Missouri got in or, uh, they would have made the ACC expansion in, what was it, 2012, when like Pittsburgh and Louisville joined. Um, that's certainly a possibility. Or they could have ended up like Memphis, uh, which is just now getting into the Power Five, and they're getting into a Power Five conference that's on the brink already. So Virginia Tech getting into the ACC, I would argue, in 2004 was one of the most important developments in the history of the school not just the athletic program, but the university in general. Uh, if Virginia Tech misses out on this round of expansion, it will be one of the biggest missed opportunities for the university, not just the athletic program, but the university in general. Uh, and that's why ever since you know the, the um, Big Ten added UCLA and, and USC, and it became clear that the SEC was going to pursue expansion, um, I've been an advocate that Virginia Tech needs to go ahead and look at leaving the ACC as quickly as possible as much as I don't really want that to be the case. Yeah, and look, I mean, I'm an ACC lifer. I grew up a Duke fan, went to Virginia Tech. My entire perspective on college sports has been shaped by this conference. And, and also, I don't want Virginia Tech to be playing Illinois every other year. Like, I, I, that, 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 that matchup brings no juice to me. Right, I don't. I don't want Virginia playing or Virginia Tech playing Missouri every other year, or Ole Miss every other year. Like I, there's no juice there for me. 
I, I get a lot, you know, I get, I get up, I get excited for, for Pitt. I get excited for UNC. Like th- there's, there's legitimate, uh, legitimate angst and bad blood there between the programs. And, and that's, that's what drives college football. Um, that being said, I don't want Virginia tech to, to not be able to play for a national championship in 20 years. And it's looking more and more like if Virginia tech wants, to be able to play for a national title in 20 years, they need to find a life raft. So do you think the Big Ten would be the most likely landing place? As janky as it sounds with yearly Virginia Tech-Northwestern matchups, like Virginia Tech-Illinois, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech's actually played Purdue a few times in the past few years, but you know it, it wouldn't have the regional relevance. But and, you know, on, on a second note, like how big do you think this thing gets? Is well, it a situation where Virginia Tech is? That's part of the issue, right? Because there are there are five to six programs that get brought up in ACC conference talks for other, or excuse me, in for other conference talks from the ACC, right? So we have Clemson as one. Clemson gets brought up all the time. Florida State also gets brought up all the time. Uh, UNC gets brought up all the time. Miami brought up all the time. And then you kind of get into the UVA Virginia Tech realm, right? Um, that's that's five or six schools, depending on how you look at it, that are going to be serious contenders to make it into one of these big conferences. Well, what if the next round of realignment happens and the SEC decides that they're going to take on Florida State and Miami, uh, or that they're going to take on um, Florida State and Clemson? And then the Big Ten says, okay, well, we'll take on Carolina and UVA. It's like, oh, well, where the hell does Miami go? Where the hell does Virginia Tech go? What if there's not room for them on this on this round and they have to wait it out? Well, where do they wait it out at? Um, I, I honestly have no idea what the what the most likely destination would be as it relates to either the Big Ten or the SEC. I think preferably in an ideal world, they would probably go to the SEC. I think that's that would be better for, for the program in general. Um, but given Virginia Tech's connections to the Big Ten at, at a university level, um, I would have a feeling that the Hokies would probably be Big Ten bound if if they were able to get a life raft. I mean, what's the timeline look like on all of this? I mean, do you think that the ACC three years from now is fully intact? I would say yes in three years. You take that out to five years, and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're looking a bit, less, or a bit less certain. The closer we get to 2036, which is when the ACC's grant of rights expires, the closer we get to that, the, the, the more those odds increase that the ACC is going to have have defectors. Um, but if this, you know, goes to court, if this gets challenged, then, you know, it could happen next year. It could happen two years from now. Uh, how, how quickly do the big 10 and the SEC want to move? And a lot of that will be dependent on whether or not these ACC programs can find a way out of this agreement with, with the conference and their grant of rights. Um, because if they can, this this will move really, really, really fast. What about the rumblings that have kind of surrounded 
you know, the idea of creating some sort of agreement with the Pac-12 and the Big 12, would that have enough juice to save this thing? I mean, between the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12, there are some legitimate football programs that draw interest, right? And, you know, college football is not better off in a world where you have schools like Stanford, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, Virginia Tech, Oregon, Oregon, all kind of swimming in Washington, all kind of swimming in this sea of irrelevance. Like their games don't matter. Like college football, as much as it is a sport that is generally most popular in the Midwest, Big Ten country, and Southeast, SEC country, there's still plenty of college football fans, you know, in the places that fill up the rest of those gaps. And I think for the sport as a whole, further pigeonholing itself into this regional game would be incredibly bad news for its popularity. Like, yes, the SEC is more popular, but the SEC being the be-all, end-all, more so than it already is, isn't going to make the sport any more popular in Alabama, but it's certainly going to make the sport less popular in Richmond, Virginia, and in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And in a place like Virginia Beach, where yeah, I'm at, in right? In a place because... like Virginia Beach or on the other side of the coast, like we're talking about, Washington, Oregon, California. You know, Yeah, it's already not, not that popular in California. But those right? teams have fan bases. Yeah, yeah. And how much of the casual fan bases, even some of the diehard fans, are going to stick around when their games hold the national relevance of last year's matchup between Tulane and Tulsa. I don't think that many. I don't think it's good for the sport. No, well, I, I, I would certainly argue that all of this is bad for the sport. And I, I wrote it as much in my column not long after UCLA and USC bolted to the Big Ten. Um, and the – the the point was um, how much longer is the fan willing to put up with this, right? Like how much longer is the fan willing to issue rivalries and tradition, which are the, the backbone of college football and what it was built on? Um, how much longer are fans willing to let that wash away? Um until the sport is no longer as popular with the individual as it otherwise was. I mean, uh, people lose interest in sports for various reasons all the time. It's taken years for me to get my dad to follow the Orioles again. Part of it is because they're, they're decent now, right? Yeah, by the but, way, my trip but, to Baltimore went pretty well. <laughs> I, I, yes, yes, it did. Um, but the one of the big you know obstacles to that was my dad lives in Tennessee, and where he's at, he's not able to watch any Orioles games, even if he buys MLB TV. Like they still they still black his games out. So like yeah, they just, just quick 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 one here in Charlotte, I get blacked out of the Nationals, the Orioles, the Braves, and the Reds. The Reds. Cincinnati <laughs> is like an eight-hour drive from here. 
DC is like a six and a half hour drive here. And as far as I can tell, no cable packages are carrying Masson and Fox Sports Western Ohio. Like, yeah, MLB the, is right up there with the NCAA in terms of incompetence. Yeah, yeah, Major League Baseball's inability to let fans watch their games is is uh, both hilarious and aggravating. Um, but you know, going back to the point, I mean, fans lose interest in sports all the time, and if if a Virginia Tech fan who's you know thirty and he always enjoyed going to football games or she always enjoyed going to football games, um, and all of a sudden you know Virginia Tech's playing in the toilet paper bowl, and that's what the program has to look forward to every year as like the pinnacle. Well, what, what's the what's the point of watching if you're just a casual fan and, and you just want to watch your alma mater, you know, do things on the big stage? Well, the toilet paper bowl is not the big stage, so who cares? I'm not going to go to games. I'm not going to go back in the fall, and I'm not going to buy a ticket, and I'm not going to buy that hoodie so I can watch uh, the Virginia Tech game at the bar and represent my my, my team and my school. Fans are going to make that choice, and that's going to happen all across the country like you mentioned it's going to happen in eugene it's going to happen in stillwater it's going to happen at palo alto um it's going to happen and in, in all these different places um that's that's it that is catastrophic for the sport college football is one of the few things that um americans are still able to enjoy together Unfortunately, those things that Americans enjoy together decrease on a day-by-day basis. For now, college football is still one of those things that we love. But if you start having, you know, some sort of UEFA Super League type situation where 30, 40 schools completely break away from the rest of rest of the of the industry, and um, start crowning their own national champion, well, then you've completely lost what college football was meant to be. And that's a shame. And furthermore, the elimination of traditional rivalries would have some sort of impact too. Because I think you mentioned the 30-year-old Virginia Tech fan. And, you know, what is the 30-year-old Virginia Tech fan going to games for? The team has certainly fallen off since they were in Maybe since they're 22. <laughs> like, yeah. Or 20, really. I mean, it's been 10 years since Virginia Tech was really, really solid. But if you do keep going back, it's because there is that juice around, you know, a Virginia Tech-Miami game against that Commonwealth Cup against UVA. Even games like UNC and Pittsburgh, traditional regional rivalries that are always going to have a little bit of steam behind them. And even Virginia Tech, Illinois, if they're at the bottom of the Big Ten, like, I don't love it. And like you said, I wouldn't prefer it, but I'll accept it if it's what's required for the program to survive at a high level. But it's just tough for the sport. And then you have the, you know, to kind of draw from the 2004 realignment stuff, for those who may not remember, um, the the Virginia 
federal representatives and politicians played a big role, uh, as well as the UVA administration, in convincing the ACC that if they were going to accept the University of Virginia, they also needed to accept Virginia Tech. Well, Virginia um, had Virginia had been in it for ever. Yeah, but 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 if but they were Virginia going was going to gonna leave, that was yeah. Uh, it's so so, so tech or we're out. Yeah, so um, two of the people that were heavily involved in that that kind of foray are Mark Warner, uh, who was the governor at the time, and Tim Kaine, who was his lieutenant governor at the time. Uh, both of them happen to be senators still, so both of them are extremely well connected, um, and they've been through this dog and pony show before. So that that leads you to wonder because a lot of folks have thought that maybe UNC and UVA are going to be a package deal if they're going to go, if either one of them is going to leave the ACC, they're going to leave it together. Well, where does Virginia Tech fit into that? And you know, will will the politicians get involved and uh, try to ensure that Virginia Tech's, or excuse me, that Virginia's two premier uh, athletic institutions and academic institutions, for that matter, um, are in the same athletic conference. What I will say is, Virginia Tech is well positioned at the moment, both academically and athletically to make a case for themselves that they should be, that they are worthy of a spot in the Big Ten, much more so than they would have been back in 2004. Even though the football program was significantly more impactful nationally as a university, because we know, unless the Big Ten is just going to scrap that out the window, the Big Ten is kind of this pact of high-level academic institutions that doesn't really compromise that. Though Virginia Tech does not actually hold the accreditation that the Big Ten requires, neither does Nebraska. But Tim Sands, for better or worse, I don't know what your opinion on it is on you know, the direction which the university is going, but he has been rebuilding Virginia Tech as an institution in the mold of a Big Ten school, like his former institution, Purdue, where you know he was at one point. Yep. You know, I believe he was the interim president and held a very high position for decades prior. Where Virginia Tech is today is far different than where it was, you know, nearly 20 years ago when it was vying for ACC status. And I think that the competitive, I think that the football brand combined with how competitive Virginia Tech has gotten in sports across the board plus that academic side, plus, you know, the connections they've made with major corporations, Amazon. Absolutely. It, it builds a hell of a resume. I mean, yeah, D.C. is a market that the Big Ten really wanted to exploit when they added Maryland. Maryland ain't it. Um, that, that, Maryland, that, Maryland's not, not bringing the juice. Yeah, like, quick pause. This doesn't work out. And, like, there's two super conferences, and that's all that matters in college football. And Maryland's in it, and Virginia Tech isn't. Just like, good yeah. lord. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and you know, kind of going to your point about 
the position that Virginia Tech is in, and you know, maybe this is me looking at it with the maroon and orange glasses, but any any football program that can that can put fifty thousand butts in seats when the team stinks, um, that's pretty impressive as far as I'm concerned. That shows a commitment from the alumni, from the students, uh, from everyone in the town, everyone in the region, that regardless of, of, of how this football program looks, the athletic department has the, the most support it could possibly have from the institution itself, from the alumni. I mean, Virginia Tech is now accomplished their goal of going over 25,000 donors. Um, and they've done that in just the span of a few short years. Um, I would argue that the draft for 25 hasn't gone exactly how they would want it, but that's a pretty damn uh, awesome accomplishment in its own right. Um, and there are only, there are only a few programs in the ACC that can do that on a consistent basis. And UVA ain't one of them, and North Carolina ain't one of them, and Miami sure as hell ain't one of them either. <laughs> Trust me, I went to. Uh, they can't even get they can't even get a, a sellout when the team is good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they not, can get that nil money. They can yeah, do that. They can. They can get that nil money, and we'd be kidding ourselves if we were to say it. Miami is the larger national brand than Virginia Tech. Well, I think there's an argument to be made that that national brand is completely unfounded, but sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I would I would back that argument up wholeheartedly, but... Yeah, program hasn't been relevant in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I think Virginia Tech's in a better position than a lot of schools in the ACC which is why it confuses me that when you look at these national publications, they never seem to be mentioned. Yeah. UVA seems to be mentioned a whole lot more. And, and it's extremely worrying because, you know, from, the, from our perspective, it makes no damn sense that Virginia Tech wouldn't be included in those conversations for all the reasons that we've already mentioned. But you're absolutely right. When you, when you follow these reporters on Twitter or um, you, you follow their publications, whether it be Sports Illustrated or The Athletic or USA Today or Stadium or whatnot, Virginia Tech is not mentioned anywhere in, unless it's a regional writer or a local writer. Uh, that's, that's a bit worrisome. Seem to be few and far between these days, unfortunately, our regional and local writers. Yeah, yeah, the, the sports... Sports writing, sports media landscape in the state of Virginia has completely changed over the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. And not for the better, by the way. <laughs> yeah. On that note, happy birthday, Norm Wood, a few days ago, my boy. Yes, yes. Norm is a, a huge friend um, of the pod. And today, actually, we're recording this on um, – today is Tuesday, right? Yeah. Recording this on Tuesday, the 26th. Uh, today is Joey Weaver's birthday. For those who don't know Joey, uh, he is on the Basketball Conference podcast with Mike. Uh, Joey was going to come on with us, but um, he's got his birthday, obviously. 
um, and we'll be able to have him on here soon and we'll have our uh, collaborative podcast, but um, yeah, happy birthday to both of those guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So a quick one, and we're going to touch on like a full ACSD preview. Uh, probably yeah. whenever we can get Joey on, hopefully shortly. We can't, we can't down the road on this one for too long, and I wanted to put something out. But Virginia Tech picked uh, third to last in the ACC uh, behind everyone other than Georgia Tech and Duke uh, on the coastal side. No votes to win in the overall. Uh, not surprising, and should probably be considered correct. But what what are your thoughts? You know, behind UVA, behind North Carolina, behind Pittsburgh, behind Miami. Is that a fair assessment by the media? Well, I'm not really sure where folks are getting this Virginia stuff from. I mean, I know they've got Brent Armstrong back, but other than that, that roster looks pretty thin. Uh, Carolina. I have no idea who's going to play quarter quarterback and the team was bad last year. So I'm not really sure what the, what the hype is there, but also I don't think Virginia tech is necessarily, you know, underrated per se. I, I, I couldn't rank them any higher than third and I, I would probably put them fourth in, in the division. Um, they're just, there's so many holes on this roster there's very little depth at extremely important positions. So, yeah, I'm not really all that surprised. Um, it's kind of a shame that, that Duke is just going to live where they live. Um, but that's, uh, that is what it is. Yeah, the turnaround at Duke could be a lot uh, more challenging than the turnaround at Virginia Tech. I find it interesting that Boston College is ranked as low as they are. Boston College did get a vote to win the overall ACC. Here's what I'll say. This ACC media poll needs to be an open thing. <laughs> I'm serious. If you're going to pick Georgia Tech God, to win the Coastal. Get, uh, that would get pretty wild. Or you're going to pick UVA to win the entire conference. That's fine. You can do that. I would just like to know who you are. <laughs> hey, if, if it's your pick, if it's your pick, stand by it. Seriously. Seriously. The AP Top 25 poll has open auditing. The ACC preseason media poll should too. Because, I mean, I don't know who these people are, and I don't know where they're getting their ideas from. These ideas are crazy. <laughs> so, you know, you should be able I to find it. I find it interesting that so many people, like, picked Clemson as if, like, they're required to do it. Like, are we just going to ignore that Clemson was pretty mediocre last year and that NC State is still going to be pretty good? I mean, like, it, Clemson's Clemson. They're going to have the most overall talent on the roster of any team in the ACC. But they had that last year. Bar none. And they, I mean, they turned it around a little bit at the end. They had to replace so much. You know, ultimately a bad season for them was a nine-win year. Yeah. Yeah, so, but all I'm saying is, is that I feel like <sighs> NC State should have gotten a few more votes than what they got. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that being said, you know, if you look back – so last year, two years ago, I mean, especially two, three years ago, it was unanimous, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not unanimous, but I, I, it's good that you see uh, NC State getting their due because I believe they will be a competitor, and that will probably be the game of the year in the ACC. I'm very excited for it. But, so you know, Clemson's the big dog, and then one-off year is not going to uh, 
challenge the general consensus too much. I guess we'll see. We are out of time here, my friend. Any last words for the folks at home? Uh, if you're in Blacksburg, make sure you head on over to Main Street Farm. Uh, go get any of your pharmaceutical or drug needs there. Um, like we said, we'll try and have Joey on here soon. Uh, make sure we get uh, that collaborative podcast going. And rate, review, subscribe. Yep, rate, review, subscribe. Enjoy your weekend, my friends. I guess it's going to release on a Wednesday, so the end of your week and the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. As always, go Hokies.